Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins in the same way that we forgive those sins against others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So as I just said, we're on week three in our series through the Sermon on the Mount. And the first week we looked at, well, what are we trying to get out of this? Um, We know Jesus is going to teach us some things, but what are we supposed to do about it? And we saw that he's telling us to don't just learn these ideas, but actually do these things and I'm going to teach you. This is what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. In week two, last week, we looked at the Beatitudes and saw, well, who belongs in this kingdom? Who's this kingdom made up of? And this week, we're going to look at, okay, we're here in this kingdom of God. Now, what's our role? What is the role of the followers of the kingdom of God? And that's what we'll look at this morning. In Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen. So let's break this down piece by piece and see exactly what he's saying here. He starts off saying, you are the salt of the earth. Well, we have to ask, what does that mean? What does it mean to be salt of the earth? Well, I think we shouldn't overthink this too much. We just ask ourselves, well, what is salt and what's its purpose? Well, we all know what salt is, or I think we all know what salt is. But what's the purpose of salt? Well, I think we know that too. It's to preserve or to season. It has two main purposes. To preserve something or to season something. So salt is a preservative. And the word preserved is defined as to maintain something in its original state. Well, we look at this world and we say, this world's pretty messed up. Why should we want to maintain the world like it is in this original state? But then we have to think and remind ourselves, well, this, the way the world is right now, it's not its original state. We have to go way back to the book of Genesis to see the world in its original state. When it was perfect, this perfect, beautiful garden, creation that God said seven times in the book of Genesis, it is good. That's what the original creation was. And as followers of Christ, as parts of his kingdom, we're called to preserve that. Well, it's not like that anymore, so we're called to start bringing that back. And we already know that in the end, after the second coming of Christ and the final judgment, where all things are set right, that's what things are going to be like again. We see the Bible talk about uh, new heavens and a new earth. We see that Jesus is, we see that he was resurrected. He had a physical body and Paul says that that's the first fruits of all things and that all creation longs for the coming of the new creation. That things will be made right again. And what's our role? It's the salt of the earth to preserve things. It's to start working to bring that about now. Jesus says, he'll say later in the Sermon on the Mount, when he teaches the disciples to pray, he says, Father, bring your kingdom here to earth as it is in heaven. 
You see, our job is not just to sit around and wait to go to heaven one day. It's to start bringing heaven here now. It's to start making the earth look like heaven. That's part of our role. That is salt of the earth. That's preservatives of the original creation. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Well, how do we do that? What, what, what does the world look like that way? What should the world look like in Jesus' kingdom? Well, again, what's a kingdom? It's where there's a king. It's where there's a king running things. Well, what does the world look like if Jesus is king? Well, we've seen it before. We, we can read the Gospels and we've seen where Jesus is on the earth and Jesus is in control. So we know what things are like when Jesus is running the show. The blind can see, the mute can speak, the deaf can hear, the lame can walk, the lepers are healed, the sick are healed, uh, the dead are risen, the demons are cast out. It's a better place when Jesus is in charge. And we're supposed to start bringing a creation like that back to this world today. That's our role. That's part of our role. To start to make this world start looking again like Jesus is running the show, like Jesus is in charge. How do we do that? It goes back to what we talked about first week. Do what he says. Take him seriously when he teaches us how to live, what to do. And we're going to get more into that in the next few weeks as we look at the Sermon on the Mount. And we can see so many other throughout the Gospels, parables, so on and so forth. If we follow Jesus... If we, try to, if we try to do what he teaches, then I don't think we can go wrong. And we start doing our work of preserving the earth and doing what's right. Now, preservative is just one. That's just one use of salt. The other is seasoning. And that's pretty simple. And what does salt do as a seasoning? It just makes things better. Like, that's pretty simple. Whether it's french fries or maybe something healthier. People eat... People eat salt on tomatoes, right? I think I've seen that. I don't like tomatoes, so I wouldn't know. I prefer the french fries. But salt just makes things better. That's just how it is. It's a seasoning. It adds flavor to things. And the salt of the earth, that's what we do. We just make it better. We add some flavor to it. We don't have to look far. Look at our own situations. Look at the news to see that the world's not good. Things are bad. To put it in simple terms. It needs to taste better. It needs something good. How does that happen? Jesus. Again, what did things look like when Jesus was running the show? They were good. For the sick people, for the poor people, for the, for the demon-possessed, things were good all of a sudden. Things tasted better. And that's our role. We preserve the world. We make it taste better. Things are just better when we, when we live like Jesus teaches to. The whole world gets better. Not just our own personal lives. It's not just about a personal salvation one day, one day going to heaven. Jesus wants to set all things right through the people in his kingdom. We're the salt of the earth. And then in verse 14, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. Well, what does this mean as well? Well, we in ourselves are not exactly, we in ourselves are not the light. Because we know that Jesus Christ himself is light. We see that in John chapter 8, uh, where John writes that Christ is the light of the world. But we being in Christ and having the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we can, kind of, we can still illuminate things. 
We're not the light itself. Christ is the light. But we reflect that light of Christ out into the world. What does light do? It illuminates. <coughs> Again, it's a, it's, a, it's a very dark world. And I, think every, I don't think anyone would put up an argument against that. It's a dark world. What do you do about darkness? Bring some light. Cast some light into you. And Jesus is the light that the world needs to cast out the darkness. And the good thing is, the, there might not be as much light as there is darkness, but the light's a whole lot stronger than the darkness. In John chapter 1, verse 5, uh, John writes that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. But that's just not a metaphorical thing, or that's just not something that one of the Bible writers wrote to, to sound good, but we can look in the real world and see that light is more powerful than darkness. We have, we have here in our own backyard the largest cave in the world. And I remember growing up in elementary school, we went on field trips to Mammoth Cave a lot of the time because I guess that's what you do when you have a national park in your hometown. You go on field trips there. But whenever we would go there, we'd come to, we'd come to one part in the cave tour where, where everybody sits down on these benches and they turn off all the lights in the cave. And some of you all may have done that before. But when you're inside a cave under the earth and all the lights are turned off, it can't get much darker than that, can it? But, but then they do this thing where you're in the darkness and they just light their lighter, just this little bitty flame. And it brings so much light in that cave. That whole entire cave is encompassed by darkness. And just a tiny little flame brings so much light you can see. And it's really incredible. Because the light's more powerful than the darkness. And we, being in Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit, we overcome darkness too. But how we do that? Not just by sitting around and not just by sitting around and saying, Oh, I can't wait to go to heaven someday. I'm so glad Jesus saved me. But we have to live the way Jesus taught us to. We have to do the things he said to do. Or else it's pointless, which we're going to get to here in a minute. And kind of like salt, light not only just illuminates and casts out darkness, but again, light just makes things better. Uh, do you remember yesterday morning what the weather was like? Rainy, gloomy, sad. And then compared to today, what, I mean, look out there, what's, what's better? What illuminates all the colors greater, all the colors are brighter? It's just better. There's, that may sound oversimplified, but if you want to argue me, if you want to argue with me that that's not better than what we saw yesterday morning, then I think you'll probably lose the argument, but... <coughs> Light just makes things better. It casts out darkness. If we're in Christ, there's no darkness at all. And again, how do we do this? How do we be the light of the world? How do we be the salt of the earth? Not just by saying, Jesus, I believe in you, I'm going to be baptized, I'm going to go to heaven one day. No. That's just the beginning. Then you have to do what he says. Live like he taught us to live. But what if you don't? What if you don't do that? You the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. This is some of the this is some of the scarier language that Jesus uses, and he's just kind of blunt about it. He doesn't try to sugarcoat it or salt coat it, I guess. But he just 
plain and simple. Be the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. If you claim to be a follower of me, once you're baptized, you're saying, yes, I want to follow you. I'm now salt of the earth. I'm going to make things better. I'm going to preserve this creation that you've set us out to preserve. As you commanded us to do back in Genesis, when you made us stewards of this earth. But what if we don't do that? He says, you're useless. It sounds kind of harsh. Uh, that's not just what I'm saying, but I just read it to you out of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, what are you good for? You're useless. All you're good for is to be thrown out and trampled by people's feet. It's not a very pleasant picture to think about. But think about it anyway, even though it's not pleasant. Can you think of a use in Jesus' kingdom if you're not going to do anything? If you're not going to try to live like he told us to live? Or do what he calls us to do? If we're just going to sit and think, man, I'm glad I'm saved. What good is that? There's no use in it at all. The same way with the light. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If we darken our light, if we take away the taste of the salt, the point is so other people can see God's glory through us. That's what we do when we illuminate his light out into the world. And he says that when they see that, they'll, give, they'll thank God for the good works and give him the glory. But what if we don't do that? Then what about all these people who don't know Christ? What about them? They'll, if we lose our taste, they'll never be able to taste the grace of God and see his goodness. If we don't light things up, they'll never be able to see the, the, the beautiful pictures that he presents to us. They can see that without our help. We have to light things up so they can see the beauty. We have to be the salt so they can taste the goodness. But if not, it's useless. This. To, to make it really simple, our role in Christ is to do what he says and make things better. Our role is to preserve and light up the world. All of creation. You see, Christ and his church, Christ and his kingdom are the one thing that brings hope to this world. Nothing else can replace that. We, we try to insert things in there a lot of times to say, oh, we should put our hope in this or that. Um, to quote two different politicians so from different parties, so it's bipartisan. Uh, George, President George W. Bush said one time that a strong America is the, is the only hope the world has left. Then President Barack Obama said that, the hope, that America is the last great hope of the earth. But those, those are lies from the devil. That's called idolatry. Because if, if America or any other country or anything else is the hope of the world, that means Christ and his kingdom isn't. But it is. I believe that. And everyone who was baptized, when they were baptized, they were saying, I believe that too. The Christ church and his kingdom is the hope of the world. What other way can the world see peace, 
What other way will the, will the hungry be fed? Governments don't care, about, don't care about feeding the poor. They care about making more money and being more powerful. What other way will people see the light of Christ if we don't show it to them? Be that hope. There's, there's no point in making in saying that we're the great hope that creation has if we do nothing about it. Then we're just deceiving ourselves and everyone else and we just say, okay, the hope is in the church and then the church does nothing. Jesus says you're useless. Again, not to keep repeating it, but it's, it's kind of important. Jesus says, do what I say, live for me, or you're useless. It's pointless. But we have to play our role in the kingdom if the kingdom's going to have the, the greatest effect that it can have. If the kingdom's going to do what it's supposed to do. If the kingdom is going to be the last, the greatest hope of the world, the greatest hope of all creation. If people are going to be saved from this cruel world, then we have to play our role. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Thank you for uh, this message this morning. Father, thank you for not uh, thank you for not sugarcoating things so that we can see the truth that we we have to play our role. We can't just sit around. And Father, we thank you for giving us this hope. We thank you for your kingdom, for your church. We thank you for your salvation, for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. Father, we believe that you and your Son and the Holy Spirit and your kingdom is the only hope that the earth has. And we ask that you use us any way necessary. To, to bring about goodness and beauty. Father, we thank you for all you've done. We thank you for who you are. And it's through Jesus Christ that we come to you this morning. Amen.